is Your Working Life, a podcast show that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a career and executive coach, and today I welcome R.W. Burke to the show. Rick will talk about how handling conflicts in the workplace can actually change your life. Rick, welcome. I'm so thrilled to have you with me today. Uh, Thanks so much, Caroline. My pleasure to be here. So I've got this gorgeous book in front of me that you wrote, and I'm really eager to dive into a juicy conversation. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see that people are making out there when it comes to conflict in the workplace? Because I'm sure all of our listeners are nodding their heads saying, oh yeah, we got conflict. Yeah, so the biggest mistake people make is they actually create the conflict that they're part of and don't understand how they uh, themselves are part of it and creating it. And so uh, largely, once you understand how it works, Uh, and understand how you participate in it, you can stop participating in it and therefore sort of stop the conflict. Excellent. So how do you stop participating in it? Can you give us a technique and a strategy? Yeah, so so I work people, you know, I spend a lot of time working with people that, you know, might be uh, described by others as unable to get along with anyone. Yeah. And, uh, and I work them through a process. And the process involves understanding uh, their personal values, uh, understanding uh, situations that tend to trigger those values, uh, how they tend to react, whether it's as a victim or in conflict, uh, how to transform a reaction into a response, um, and, uh, and, and uh, being a- better able to uh, productively interact with other human beings. You know, you're you're a certified professional coach. From coach to coach, you and I both know that conflict can be really debilitating in the workplace. And it's all about changing behavior, recognizing behavior, and developing strategies to to communicate better. And you said something really compelling. You said that often values are the main reason for a conflict. Help me understand that better. Tell me more about that. Sure. So when I work with people, the first I'll ask them a question that, you know, at, at, at first uh, they may uh, they may be they may not understand the way I'm asking, but I ask them to pretend they're describing themselves to a stranger and they'd like that stranger to know everything about them that they'd want them to that stranger to know about them in six or eight or ten words. Yeah. And I ask them, what are those words? And they think about it for a moment, and then they give me their words. And what they're doing unknowingly is declaring their personal values. Yeah. And the reason it's important to understand your values is all human behavior is a function of personal values. So your values, so your behavior will either honor or defend a value. So, for example, if one of my values, if one of my words is honesty, for example, if I encounter a situation where I feel someone isn't being honest or I'm accused of not being honest myself, then that's going to be a, a trigger. That's going to that's going to create emotion in me because naturally I'm not going to agree with that. So there are certain situations that that uh, will tend to offend your personal values. And learning what those situations are uh, helps you better able to manage those. 
thank you for that. That really helped illustrate how values play a key role in, in conflict resolution and, and, and better understanding. So let's look at this through the lens of, of managers and leaders, Rick. How can the managers listening become better managers of conflict? Sure. Well, again, it begins, it begins with understanding your own and others' values. So conflict exists when someone feels like one of their personal values has been offended, but it also can exist when, when someone feels like another is imposing their values on them. And it can be, it can be uh, fairly uh, common for a manager to impose their values on the people that they work with. Uh, you know, if a manager, for example, uh, one of their values is organization, then they may judge others based on how organized they are. Mm. And in, essentially at that point, they're imposing that value of organization uh, on, their, on, on whoever that might be on the other side of that. And uh, it'll be natural for someone uh, to push back against that if they in fact don't share that value. So, so it's, it's a little bit, it, it's the challenge is to understand someone else's values, understand your own values. And, and essentially we wanna honor uh, both um, and just recognize uh, that if we unintentionally offend someone else's values or we impose our values on another, we're going to we're going to actually create conflict with them. You know, I really appreciate that perspective because, again, as a fellow coach, I have always uh, believed in the philosophy that values are not to be judged. My values may be different than a colleague, a coworker, a direct report, and and my my goal is to really honor that diversity of values. Absolutely, absolutely right. So, how does one declare their values to a manager or a boss or a supervisor? Right. So, so Jane Doe in this hypothetical scenario is listening and saying, "Ah, my boss just doesn't get it. We have a different set of values." How would you encourage her to move forward? So, again, through practice, and I've coached over ten thousand hours uh, with with people that struggle with conflict, and I've learned that I can't simply ask them, "Hey." What are your personal values? Right, right. Because in some cases, it paralyzes people. Yeah. And so it's precisely the reason that I ask them to pretend they're describing themselves to a stranger. And uh, they don't, because ultimately they don't understand why I'm asking that question. And they can, they can, they can be open-minded and honest. Um, and, uh, and, it, and it allows me to get what I need to work with them. Uh, w- without tainting uh, the result. So yeah. I-, I would just say that for a manager, and it doesn't have to be the way that I ask it, but uh, for a manager, I-, I just feel like if you, if you, you know, it's like asking someone what the meaning of life is. Yeah. It, can be, <laughs> it can be too big a question. Right, right. right. So, so just some simple question that will get them to open up. Again, for me, I just ask them to pretend they're describing themselves to a stranger in six or eight or ten words. And that essentially helps me understand how they define themselves. That's great. That's a great baseline question. Wonderful. Thank you for that tool. Okay, so we all know there are emotional reactions. You call them hot situations. How do you navigate that? Whether you are the person who's feeling frustrated and emotional or you're the manager observing this kind of conflict. Yeah, so 
so the first step is to understand your values. The second step is try to identify the situations that exist as a result of your values being offended. And you can't manage those situations unless you understand when they occur. And then once you encounter a situation like that, that offends your values, it's natural for you to react. And, and people will react either as victims uh, or in conflict. And as victims, they'll withdraw, they'll stop communicating, uh, they'll feel helpless helpless and powerless. And if someone's on the other side of a manager, when that's occurring, the manager may not ultimately sense the fact that that's happening. They'll just know that the communication is sort of stopped, but they may not realize how unproductive continuing the conversation is for that other person. Uh, when people react in conflict, then naturally they're going to become angry and aggressive, argumentative and combative. Yeah. That's more overt, right? So it's easier to identify that that's happening. But the, the the real you know the fourth step is interrupting the reaction and that's 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 essentially the most critical and where I spend the most time um, and there's two levels of interruption the first level basically is you restrain it so you know in, instead of uh, you know in, in instead of pounding your fist on the table you don't do that right mm -hmm. um, and the second step is where you can come to see someone else's behavior is them honoring their values. Yeah. And when you can come to see another's behavior is simply them honoring their values, it eliminates the intentionality that we have associated with their behavior. And that's really the key because when, when the intentionality goes away, the emotion also goes away with it. And when there's no emotion, there's no fuel for the reaction. And so you're simply left with a situation that you would like to be different. I'm so grateful that you use the term honoring someone else's values. I think that is spot on and it really sheds some clarity about how we we do need to really honor and and um, value and and accept that other people may have a different set of values and a different set of perspective and that is step one right on on diffusing that emotional reaction. So, Rick, you talk about this in the book, and it's really cool. You say sometimes we create the behavior in others that we don't want. So unpack that for me. Sure. So so that essentially happens when we impose uh, values on others. Mm. And, and because we'll inspire the conflict by doing that. So just for example, in, in practice, you know, I may work with someone that values cooperation. And me personally, I may value competition. So what's going to happen is I'm going to measure that other person based on how competitive I believe they are. And for me, they're not going to be competitive enough. And for them, they're going to measure me based on how cooperative they believe I am. And for them, I'm not going to be cooperative enough. And so if we each measure the other based on our own values, we're both going to fail. And so the challenge is we want to respect each other's values because we know that competition in a vacuum is going to produce things that we don't want. We know that even cooperation in a vacuum is going to produce things that we don't want. And so it's 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 necessarily true that we need a balance, right? Like a pendulum. We need we need cooperate we need cooperation to balance competition and we need competition to balance cooperation. And when we recognize that, we're less likely to impose our values on another, which which 
which keeps us from creating that behavior that we don't want. But when we can't recognize that and we do impose our values on others, then essentially it's natural for them not to want that value imposed on them and it's natural for them to resist that, which essentially creates that behavior in them that we don't want. So Rick, you talk about in the book something you call a super wicked problem. Tell us what that is. Sure. So. A super wicked problem was actually coined uh, to help explain the challenges with uh, climate change and how, you know, I think polled uh, universally, we would probably agree that we would like we we would like climate change uh, to be better, but we don't necessarily change our behavior based on that. Um, and so the idea of a super wicked problem is a super wicked problem exists when the people that want to solve the problem also create it. And so if I'm struggling with conflict, I may want others to change their behavior to suit me so there's less conflict. But the truth is the only behavior that I can actually control is my own. And so I have to change my own behavior first. And I have to recognize that how I'm participating in that process. And if it's, and if, if it's, negative participation, then I want to stop that. Rick, what a joy to have you on the show. I I love, love, love your book, and I'm grateful for your practical wisdom about strategies to overcome workplace conflict. And I want to tell our global audience all about it. It's called Quiet the Rage, How Learning to Manage Conflict Will Change Your Life and the world. And I fully agree that we can change the world by navigating conflict. And the book, uh, folks, look for it. R.W. Burke is how uh, Rick identifies himself on the cover as a phenomenal author. And I know that you can all check it out on Amazon and other major book retailers. Rick, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Caroline. I'm delighted that you were with me today. And hey, if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review and let me know what career development themes you'd like to hear so we can address them in a future show. And I want to give a special shout out to my extraordinary Your Working Life colleagues, Laura Deck, our Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, our Executive Producer, without whom this podcast would not be possible. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins or send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. Thanks so much for listening. Take good care. <laughs>